we'd like to welcome you to the Institute's Leading Edge, a show dedicated to helping the automotive aftermarket service industry. This episode is all about planning the upcoming year for your business. From tax season to marketing strategies, find out how to start your year off right. Here's what's coming up. The idea of planning the year out and saying we're going to make X amount of dollars was foreign. It was, it was like a different language, different universe. And it just turned into a situation that was, I think, very stressful. I call it the chaos factor, even though we don't track it on a KPI report. Everybody knows what it is when I talk about it. Nobody wants it. We basically whiteboarded, meaning we put 100K at the top of a whiteboard, and we just wrote every excuse, every reason, everything that keeps us from making that 100 grand, because you can very easily translate that into how many hours a week that needs to be. Hours per week is the language of a, of a technician. Now today, very stress-free. Fun Tom shows up 99% of the time these days. So. For a better business, a better life, and a better industry, the Institute's leading edge. Welcome to the Facebook's Leading Edge, episode 15. Today, we're going to be talking about business planning. And online, I have with me Tom Lambert. Tom has uh, Shatri Automotive and works with us here at the Institute. Welcome, Tom. Thank you for coming. Uh, I think I saw you on uh, one of the local stations the other day, too. I was. Uh, it put me, uh, put me on live. It was... Uh being in a pressure cooker there you go that's fun though how many people watching did they say something like there's a million people watching or anything like that thankfully they didn't tell me i knew there was (laughs) and it was like luckily it was a four o'clock so uh i don't know how much demand there is at four o'clock to watch the news but hopefully there was a bunch of stay-at-home moms ready to bring their (laughs) their vehicles into me now there you go (laughs) um we also have uh, Ryan Klo. Ryan has uh, two shops in the Cincinnati area. Ryan also works as a coaching consultant for the Institute and uh, has, uh, Ryan's one of the biggest planners. I think between Tom and Ryan and Patrick and myself, literally, I don't know that there are four bigger planners uh, in the industry. So uh, Ryan, welcome. Thank you for coming. Uh, I got you on mute or something, or you're on mute, buddy, because I can't hear you. You hear me? There we can now. I'm, I'm here. I've always been here. <laughs> All right, brother. <laughs> and uh, uh, last but not least, we have uh, Patrick McHugh. Uh, Patrick has uh, Bimmer Rescue, um, Virginia? Yep, Richmond, Virginia. In Richmond, Virginia. Uh, Patrick is also a, a really interesting planner. He was on a meeting with me yesterday, and I was thinking to myself, man, I need to get that guy to work for me because <laughs> um, uh, Patrick's a pretty sharp guy. Uh, so today, uh, the, 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 my, my vision for this uh, when I decided or when, when Kent and I were discussing, you know, what we would uh, be talking about is, is um, I think that a business should do a pretty serious amount of planning before January 1st. And uh, I'm, I'm going to tell a, a brief story and then I'm going to ask some questions and we'll get going and, and, and have it. Uh, years ago, uh, thousand years ago when I had more hair and it was uh, it was dark brown and curly and and I was a lot skinnier um, I took over uh, my father's business as the manager of the business and the business had been making about uh, $27,000 in net profit now when you think about that in the in the 80s in the terms of the 80s 27,000 would probably be like making 60 or 70,000 today uh, you know after working all year so dad got a what I call a functional wage out of the business. It paid for his truck, his gas, 
some insurance, uh, and uh, he was able to take a check home, uh, pay the bills at home. Uh, we weren't starving. Uh, but he wasn't making a lot of money. We'll put it that way. And then at the end of the year, when everything was said and done, uh, there's about $27,000 in net net profit uh, uh, for the year that he worked and the investment and all of that stuff. So the first year that I took over, sometime probably in October, November, I started having discussions with him about next year. And I said, Dad, we need to set a goal for next year's net profit. What are we going to make next year? Now, when I talked to my dad, I think he was um, incredulous. He was like, uh, how can you plan next year? You have no idea what's going to happen. Uh, you don't know what people are going to do with their cars. You don't know if your customers are going to come back. I mean, there's this whole, for him, the idea of planning the year out and saying we're going to make X amount of dollars was, was foreign. It was, it was like a different language, uh, a different universe. Um, I set a goal for us in the business uh, if I remember right, uh, to do $130,000 in uh, net profit uh, at the end of year one. Now, now I, I looked at the shop, the guys we had, the potential for sales, uh, the average repair order, the, the labor rate. Um, and I said to myself, man, if we have these three guys and we do this much and we raise our labor rate a little bit and blah, 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 I think we can get to $130,000. Now, at the end of that first year, we didn't hit $130,000. We didn't hit our goal. We missed it. Uh, we did $139,000 excuse me, $129,600 in change. Uh, so now, um, I'm a business owner who owns a shop. I, I've done not a lot of planning in the past. Tell me what the benefit is or why I should plan next year out and do it now before next year begins. Um, uh, Tom, you go first. Yeah. So if you wait till next year to make the plan, you're already elbow deep in the, in the daily routine. So uh, it's kind of like taking off on a road trip, right. And not knowing where you were going, uh, how are you going to get there if you don't know where you're going? So uh, everything starts with the plan, you know, everything, Everything to, that you're going to execute throughout every single day when you get there should all be based off of the plan you come up with. So, yeah, you gotta, you got to do it now. I'm, I'm putting the final touches on mine, and I feel like I'm behind. Um, we started uh, about a month ago going through projections of what we did this year and planning for what we're going to do next year. And we even go as deep as uh, I have my team help me uh, based on what they want to make next year. Uh, that's kind of what we base our projections off because we all – we all get a portion of the pie around here. So uh, I meet with everybody that works with me on my team, determine what they want to make next year. And then really we make a, you know, within reason. Uh, and then we make a plan based off of that. And, uh, and that seemed to work out good for me. Okay. Um, do you, uh, a follow-up question uh, before I go to the other two here. Do you think that because you created a plan, because you have a plan, that you have better results, um, I'll ask, uh, I'm not done, and or that your staff is more on board with you? Uh, yes and yes. Uh, the staff being on board for sure because uh, it's one thing to come up with a plan and, and then gather everybody up and say, all right, team, here's the plan. We're going to do this, this, and this. Uh, that, that's one idea. That's one way you could do it. Or you could bring everybody in and say, okay, let's come up with the plan 
it's a lot easier to sell the team on the plan we come up with as a team than than the plan that I would come up with. And uh, luckily, uh, my team and I have been working together long enough that they typically come up with a plan that is very similar to a plan that I would come up on my own. But they they tend to they tend to think of things that uh, I didn't necessarily think about. So it ends up being a better plan anyway. So so yeah, you always want to involve the team in the plan or else you've got to develop your own plan and then try to sell each and every person one by one. And that never, that never works out great for well, it's, me it's, individually. It's a lot more difficult to do it that way. Oh, yeah. All right, back, back to the original question and, and maybe the follow-up question that goes with it. Will, um, uh, do you think that uh, um, uh, you need to be planning that you need to plan out next year? And uh, if so, have you done it? And, and what's the benefit to you, uh, Patrick? Well, I look at it from the perspective of my the people who I work with. Would they ever get on a cruise ship that you did not know the destination of the ship? If you didn't know what island it was going to go to or where, no, nobody would ever sign up for that. Why would I expect them to, to board my ship with me without, without knowing where we were going to go and without choosing the, the location that they're going to go? You know, it, it's just like Tom said, I'd say it's almost critical or crucial that they're a, a major part of of the plan. Uh, what do you guys want? What do you guys want this shop to look like at the end of next year? Um, not, we're not just talking money. We're talking about uh, the physical building, the, um, the benefits that, you, that you're going to have. Um, you know, it doesn't always have to be, I just want more money. And that's a big thing for just about everybody. But there's so much more um, that, you know, that, that they're, they're going to contribute if you ask them. Okay. And, uh, and, and Ryan, what, what about you? Have, you? have you started your plan? I know you have two shops, so double the planning. And do you, do you involve your staff? And, and, and are the goals a part of what they want as well as what you want? I mean, I think for us, you know, it's a, it's a continual process. You know, we're always having regular meetings and kind of discussing where we're at and where we want to be and, and what has changed end of the year is a time, you know, where many people do choose to reflect. And, you know, a lot of times I'll have a spreadsheet that ends at that year and it kind of feels like a fresh start. So yes, there's definitely something symbolic about year end that allows us to, you know, consider where, you know, where we've been. And I think, you know, the subject of meetings can be, you know, what didn't work. So when we're talking about our planning, uh, unless we have a perfect shop, which nobody does, uh, we're going to, you know, we're going to pat ourselves on the back a little bit. We don't want it to be depressing, but we also have to talk about, hey, this stuff that, that we don't like, these situations we don't like, how can we, can we have less of that? And, you know, simply put, the planning it does allow us to feel like we're in control. That story, Cecil, that you, know, you, you mentioned about your father, I can remember a similar situation years ago where someone kind of first explained to me, I wouldn't say a business plan, but at least a financial model, and... I think they use the terminology, well, like, decide what you want to make. And I was like, what do you mean? That's crazy. What do you mean, what do I want to make? And that's probably not the best way to explain it, but I do think that everyone out there has bills and expenses. So however you're going to design a plan, you know, you're going to look at all your expenses and what it costs, and you got to fit these pieces of the puzzle together. And, yes, there is going to be a piece of the puzzle for, uh, for a business owner, but, but also for the rest of the business. And there's pieces. And if we look at last year and we came up short, then – that is part of the planning process. You know, we came up short. Do we need to? Do we need to look at our prices again? Do we need to get more cars in here? Do we need to better utilize the cars that are here? It's a creative process, and you know, as Tom and Patrick mentioned, I mean, the staff a lot of times their input could be even more valuable because they might 
they all have a different perspective. The guys that are out in the shop, the guys that are behind the counter, you really need everyone's perspective to come together and kind of figure this thing out. Okay. So let's go back. Um, I don't know, for most of you, probably eight, 10 years back, uh, prior to consulting, prior to getting in, involved with uh, a consultant, um, and, and think about how you felt about how much control you had over things like average repair order and volume and, and sales and, and, and car count. If the typical shop owner out there kind of feels like it's not within my control, what would you tell them? How, how do you tell them that, look, this, this, this planning thing, it works, and it, and it helps us uh, gain control of our business, and it helps us... Uh, uh, um, you know, whatever else. Uh, so, Patrick, let's let's start with you. Think ten years back, and, and think or eight years back. I don't know. Maybe for you, it's eight or seven. But but um, you know, before uh, uh, getting a handle on this, how how would you how would you tell them? What would you tell a, a shop owner that's where you were back then uh, uh, to where you are today? Well, I think um, I was totally in that boat. I had I didn't have any control. I had no clue what was going to come in the door next. I think I would lean, the, the only thing I would tell somebody is marketing is your key. Marketing is your ability to control how many, when, and who, um, and what cars come in your door. That was literally, if I would have had that piece of the puzzle, I think I'd be about four years ahead of where I am right now um, back then. Um, but you know, eight to 10 years ago, I wasn't doing this. I, I started my shop um, just shy of uh, eight years ago, and I had a little plan, and I actually still have that plan in my basement. It's on a little piece of paper that's all crinkled up and wrinkled. It's on our fridge in the basement, and I laid out phase one, phase two, phase three, and I dreamed big. I, there's, a, there's actually phase four, which is multi-shop in there, and there at the, the very last phase five is, well, maybe I can start like a franchise or something. You know, I had that plan. I still have it on my basement, I, and I would advise anybody who's just starting out to pen and ink a, a real basic plan about what phase one, phase two, phase three is going to look like. Um, and if you can get to phase one, you can get to phase two, and then you can get to phase three. Uh, put it on paper, even if it's a silly little typed up thing. You know, I look back and we, we actually followed that plan. I forgot about it for a couple of years and I pulled it out and we were right, we were pretty much on par for what I had, I had dreamed would happen. So yeah, start it, write it up. All right. So, um, Ryan. Uh, uh, go back, think back, uh, you know, prior to, and, uh, uh, you know, kind of feeling at some point that uh, things weren't within your control, uh, that you couldn't dictate those things and, and make those things happen. And then uh, uh, how are you today? And uh, talk to the guy that you used to be and tell him why he needs to go through all the steps that you've gone through. I think for me, the number one thing was stress. You know, it, it just got to a point where I would have described the business as running me. I would mm -hmm. definitely didn't feel like I had control. Uh, unlike Patrick, I don't think I had a marketing problem. I had the other problem. We just grassroots grew and just had too many people and I didn't know how to expand. I didn't know how to let go and not micromanage. And, and it just turned into a situation that was, I think, very stressful. Uh, I call it the chaos factor, even though we don't track it on a KPI report. Everybody knows what it is when I talk about it and nobody wants it. And you can all do that for a year, maybe two while you transition or you're building, I mean, whatever your next phase is, we know there's going to be hard times, but when those hard times become the daily routine, that's a problem. And I think that's the simplest answer for people out there. If 
if you are on a daily basis stressed out and you feel like you're always putting out fires and there's just that chaos factor, it doesn't have to be like that. And the reality may not be what you thought it was. You may have got into this because you were passionate about fixing cars and you, you got to learn some different skills. I think there are some, some difficult, you know, uh, decisions to be made and things to understand, but um, ultimately I'd say it's worth it. I mean, you know, you're, you're providing a valuable resource to your community. You're creating jobs. Uh, you're making something that's sustainable and, and hopefully you come to work every day and you work with some really awesome people and you, you stay on top of the new technology and all of a sudden, you know, what was originally awesome, you get through a little pain point and then you get to the other side and you're like, well, maybe it's a little different than I imagined, but this is actually pretty cool too. Okay. Um, thank you, sir. Um, Tom, uh, uh, with you, I, I, I think um, I've kind of been intimate business-wise with all three of you. Uh, uh, to clarify, uh, and I and, and I think I knew all of you guys before and and after. With Tom, um, you were ready to give it all up and 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 walk away and do something else. Uh, and I have shop owners that 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 are in that position. They're out there and they're saying, "Man, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if it's worth it." Um, Talk to yourself back then, and and uh, and 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 tell yourself why the planning and how you can have control. You explain how that's going to work for you. Okay. Yeah. So so back in the early days when I first met you, yeah, the 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 chaos factor, Ryan hit the nail right on the head. Uh, was just horrid for me. You know, uh, there was uh, there was days back in those days where. Uh, we were, were running our own towing service. I was dispatching for that and driving for that 24 hours managing. And I had not the greatest uh, uh, techs for diagnosing. So I was also helping diagnose. So just, uh, I ran around, I was like a firefighter. I ran around putting out fires 24 hours a day and stress levels were really high. And to be completely honest, I'm not a very fun guy to be around when stress levels are high. I got a very... I got a very specific routine I stick to to make sure Fun Tom shows up to work and and the ass stays at home, you know. So so back in those days it was just frustrating, just super frustrating. Uh, I knew something needed to change, but I didn't. I I flat out didn't know how to change it. I didn't know there was classes. I didn't know there was coaches. Uh, and obviously, obviously I met you and, and things changed. But back in those days, I just thought. I knew how to work really hard. I just figured if I kept doing that, then eventually it would break loose. But uh, working hard was definitely not the answer. I actually needed to slow things down and maybe uh, use my brain a little bit more. And uh, now today, it's very stress-free. Uh, fun Tom shows up 99% of the time these days, so it's all good. Ask, ask Tom is is not very present anymore. Uh, I would tell you that Ask Cecil is also not very present anymore. He just see peers every once in a while, but but not very often. Um, what, uh, uh, Tom, business planning, um, uh, uh, what, what part did that take in the development, getting rid of the chaos factor, and now coming to a place where you are not the primary guy that does everything and answers every question and all of that. What, what part did business planning take in that? Uh, that's a big part. That's a big part. Um, now there's very specific kind of uh, 
measurements to make most decisions, you know. So all the decisions that seemed very hard to make, like, okay, I need, do I need another advisor, yes or no? Uh, if I hire this advisor, how much can I pay him? Do I need another technician? Uh, if I do hire a technician, how much can I pay him? Uh, is my rent too high? Is my uh, marketing expenses too high? I didn't know any of those things. Or uh, is my car count too high or too low? Is my average repair order too high or too low? I didn't know really how to determine any of those things. So now anything that I'm up against, if we miss a goal or something, uh, we've got all these measurements in place uh, to where we can go back and say, okay, we plan to do this this month and we came up short uh, so then we can go back through and break down our numbers uh, individually and see where we went awry from the plan. So, so yeah, everything everything kind of goes back to the uh, plan. We've got a daily plan, weekly plan, monthly plan, yearly plan. It just helps make all those uh, all those decisions that seem very tough to make if there is no plan. If that makes sense. Um, but I think I, I think when you I think when you have a direction and you kind of know where you're going and you kind of understand that, yes, it's possible to get there. Um, you know, we may not, we, we may struggle with this. We may, we may fail in some areas, but I think when you, when you have those pieces, it gives you a, um, kind of a calmness or a peace of mind about the business and how the business, uh, you know, it's going to be okay. Um, I always have this attitude you know, years ago, 20 years ago, I fell in a pit, shattered my leg. Uh, I think my many people have heard this story, but I spent two years having surgeries, and uh, and um, you know that was such a chaotic uh, uh, time in my life where I didn't know if it was going to be okay. But having gone through that that really bad time, you know, here I am. You know, 20 years later. Uh, you know, I'm pretty well known in the industry. I'm pretty well liked in the industry. A lot of people listen to me. Uh, I make decent money. I, I, that part of my life, that that experience, kind of translates into my world. In in the, hey, if I understand it and I plan for it, you know, I might not get there, but it's going to be okay. It's all going to work out. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not ready when, when I have a bad day or something doesn't go wrong or something goes wrong, I'm not ready to, I'm not screaming and yelling and thinking it's the end of the world. I'm just like, oh, it's one of those days. You know, tomorrow's going to be a better day. Um, and I think the the idea that I understand my business, and understand where I want to go and what that looks like, even if I don't make it, that whole thing is makes me feel better, right? Makes me calmer. Uh, Patrick, I really like the idea of um, getting the employees uh, involved in all of this. And you have kind of a unique story in that your technicians or your service advisors, or maybe both, um, actually at one point came to you and said, we want to earn this and, and how do we do that? Can you, yep. can you elaborate on that just a little? And then how does that fit into your, your business plan? Well, it's sort of like what uh, Ryan said about start with what you want to earn and then just knock down every single barrier that's in the way between you and what you want to earn. Um, a, a, like you said, a while back, a technician came to me and said, I want to make a hundred grand a year. What do I need to do? And, and we ever, that was like a, a lightning bolt question because um, we weren't doing that. And um, we, we basically whiteboarded, meaning we put hundred K at the top of a whiteboard and we just wrote every excuse, every reason, every thing that keeps us from making that hundred grand. Cause you can very easily translate that into how many hours a week 
that needs to be. And what's and that hours per week is the language of a, of a technician, you know? Um, so we very quickly found that we need to make, you know, 52.38 hours per week if we want to get that goal. Keep that consistent and we can do it. Um, I, like, I like a lot um, about what Ryan said about start with the end game. Start with the, the goal you want to get. And then the rest is just a series of small, medium, and large details that you need to resolve. Um, we usually go for the small ones first and the mediums one second. And then by then we're warmed up to, to tackle a big, huge problem. Um, that's kind of our process. And we're not quite there yet. I'm, I'm going to admit that, but we're working in that direction. And, and that's, that's, that's on the top of the list for 2019. How can we get that for everyone here? You know, not just that guy. So it's, it's interesting to me. Um, you know, I'm looking at, I'm talking with uh, three of the guys that have some of the best businesses that I know uh, that get some of the best results. And you're saying we're not there yet. Um, not there yet. Oh, um, I think that's my mentality and always is. I mean, I may yeah. look back at, at this last year and go, wow, 2018 was a great year, but we're not there yet. Right? I want to make a quick comment on that, too, because I kind of blew it. And we had a big meeting a couple of weeks ago, one of our first team meetings. We're doing weekly team meetings now. And if anybody there out there is not doing that, start on Monday, man. It's just the best, best way to pull valuable knowledge out of these people that know this business just as well as you and are in it every day. Um, but I kind of blew it. I, I started with, um, with, all right, 2016, we did this number, 2017, we did this number, 2018, we doubled that number. How are we going to do more? Like, how are we going to work harder and do more? And I kind of, I didn't take into account my audience and what that would sound like coming out of the business owner's mouth to them. I wasn't sensitive to, how that sounded that just sounded like hey you guys need to just go do more work so you know we can all make more money like go work on more cars go uh stop taking breaks just you need to start work and it wasn't it, it didn't mean to come out like that but it, it sounded like that and i got some you know they, they put me in my place um i think you always need to take your audience and think about how that's going to come out of your mouth and what that's going to sound like uh to one of your technicians i i totally blew it um and I know about a hundred different ways I could have could have recalculated the way that I I presented this. Um, here's where we, where we came from. Here's where we're going. Uh, type thing. Did you re? Um, did Did you do in the middle of the meeting after it came out of your mouth? Did you stop it then and go, "Oops, I I, I shouldn't have done that." No, I'm not you know? I'm not that uh, that savvy. I, you could tell the all the oxygen went out of the room though. You know, I just didn't handle it right. And it's all about work, working smarter, not harder. Just like Tom said, using your brain more. I truly don't think that we really need to do that much more physical work in our shop to reach our goals. Um, we need to start selling more maintenance instead of um, repair. We need to, um, you know, just do some very basic things to raise our margins and, and put us where we need to be. It's not like I need to go out there and tell my techs, hey, you need to work on two more cars today. Oh, we're not going to make our goals. That's what it sounded like coming out of my mouth. Right. All right. Uh, um, brief uh, commercial here. Uh, uh, brief uh, um, uh, self-serving ploy. Um, we are uh, have our service advisor mastery um, program. Uh, we are now taking enrollments uh, starting next week for the next series. Uh, the first series is is in. It's going fantastically. We're getting amazing results. 
so if you're interested, you can look us up on online at the, the Institute um, for Automotive Business Excellence. Uh, secondly, we have a, uh, a very serious, I think, uh, very focused management class on the January the 14th and 15th here at the Institute in Utah. Uh, we call it Managing to Succeed. It, it really is about all the techniques for managing people. And, and what I find when I'm out there, that's one of the more difficult things that people struggle with that own businesses is how do I get that person to do what I need them to do? This class is designed um, to help you with that. And you can register online at ifrave.com, uh, go to the calendar and, uh, and sign up for the class, or you can always uh, send us an email at uh, the institute, um, uh, ifrave.com. So, um, all right, now uh, back to the, the, the thing. Let's see if I can get back in the groove here. Uh, Ryan, a lot of people feel like, you know, we talk about average of pair order and I need to raise my average of pair order by three tenths, or maybe I need to, uh, Patrick said, I need to sell more maintenance. But a lot of people feel that own shops or that are service advisors or even technicians, hey, um, I don't control that because this car comes in and this car needs what this car needs. So how do you how do you inspire your staff? You know, how do you create a goal around average repair order or even around car count uh, uh, with your staff? And how do you control? We're going to sell more maintenance. How do you make that happen as part of your plan? Well, I, I think part of it is is educational. I mean, if people don't understand all of the concepts or the why, you have to explain to them. I mean, you couldn't just ask someone to do something blindly. I mean, you could, uh, but I think it would go over a lot better if you gave an explanation why. I think sometimes you got to explain it in a kind of what's in it for everybody. You know, why, how will this benefit everyone? And yeah, the car needs what it needs. That's a true statement. And we already know the average car across the United States, you know, $1,200, maybe $1,500, depending on your region. And what's in it for everyone? I mean, you know, for the quick recap, there's a lot of no pay time on cars. If you're a technician and you're not finding all the work, you're not getting paid to do uh, your estimating. You're not getting paid to test drive the car or rack the car. So, you know, if you're going to have an average of 0.5 hours on that ticket, are you going to have an average of three hours? you know, which one's going to be better for you. And the same for service advisors and business owners. So it's a concept that, that benefits everyone. But I think, you know, as an owner, you need to have that very clearly internalized. It's not enough to just know a KPI and, and maybe you went to a class or you read an article and you think, uh, you know, hey, we need to raise our average repair order. We better be ready to explain why. And, uh, you know, people want answers and you're going to have to, again, have it internalized. So now you're talking about culture, and um, and I think that idea of having that good communication that Patrick's talking about, that weekly meeting, you know, if we're going to talk about raising our... Uh, I have an expectation for the business based on my experience in the business. And uh, because of what I do, uh, we have, a, I don't know, 135, 138 shops now that we're, we work with... Um, and around the United States and Canada. I've been doing this for a very long time. I've worked with a lot of different shops, and I've run my own shops. Because of that experience, I know that a typical car that walks in my door needs $1,300 bucks uh, if I'm a general repair shop. I know that if I own a BMW shop, it's probably closer to $2,200. And I know that if I find that work and I sell that work to the customer, that that car is going to last longer, and it's good for 
not just us, the, the business, but it's good for the customer also. Um, so now you're talking about creating culture. Tom, how do you create that culture and how does business planning fall into creating that culture, maintaining that culture in your company? Yeah, it's a big, it's a big part. So, um, culture, what, what makes, what makes uh, anybody on the team happy is a very clear expectation of, uh, what they're supposed to be getting done, uh, daily. You know, I, uh, I, I personally like, uh, instant feedback. You know, I like to know at the end of the day, if, uh, if I won today or if I lost today and uh, everybody on my team is the same way. And I think most of us are. Um, so by having specific plans and goals, uh, then you can break those down into team goals and individual goals. And we just all know what is expected. So you don't have those moments where, uh, you know, you worked your butt off all day and you're just not sure if that was enough. You know what I mean? You know, very clearly whether you, you did enough or, or didn't. And you can make those clear adjustments. And the other things you can correct those things that need to be corrected. But there's a very clear goal and expectation too, right? It's all, it's all written. It's discussed. So then, when if you do by chance have somebody not doing it, you've got proof of hey, this is what we agreed to do. This is what we're doing. Let's. What do we got to do here? What do we got to explain differently so that uh, what we said we're going to do is is what we do, kind of thing. So. And it's big. And then for me, uh, I'm very transparent with my staff. They know they know all my numbers. Uh, uh, and not only do they know all my numbers, even the techs know all of sales and average repair order and all everything. Uh, it's important to me uh, to explain every time I ask somebody to do something. It's very important for me to explain in a way that they understand why I'm asking them to do that. Um, since I've been doing that, I've really felt uh, an uplifting in the culture here because everybody understands what we're doing and, and w more importantly, why we're doing it. So uh, long answer for, for But why. is that, it, 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 I have a, a whiteboard on my, in my office and on that whiteboard there are about four goals. Um, uh, currently, I, I still have last year's goals on there. I haven't put next year's goals up yet, but I know what they are. Um, the, 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 everybody here knows kind of what I expect, uh, whether we hit them or not, another story, right? I mean, it is, it's a year and we don't know what's going to happen in the future. We don't know if the economy is going to take a dip. It doesn't take a dip. I don't know. Maybe BMW comes out and they start giving away cars or something. Uh, who knows? Right. Um, but, but, um, uh, we, we're, we're, we're planning and we kind of know who we want to be and what that looks like, uh, not just about the money, but also about the way that we interact in the, our community, our, uh, the automotive community in our, in, in our, our, our circle. Um, that cre helps create a culture and it creeps, helps create a, a team environment. Uh, people are on the team. Uh, I, uh, we just had an employee that left. Her husband uh, uh, took a job. Uh, uh, four miles north or south of us, uh, uh, or four miles, four hours south of us, uh, uh, didn't tell her that he was doing it, uh, got to move the family. She literally cried uh, for a week knowing that she was going to leave here, didn't want to leave us. Uh, and, we, and we cried too because we didn't want her to go. But that 
is not created if we don't know who we are and where we're going, what, you know, what we're doing. I think I love Patrick's, you know, are you going to go on a cruise ship where you, you don't know where you're going, right? Because there's a lot of places I'd love to go, and then there's some places, I mean, if you're going to go up to New Jersey on a cruise ship for me, uh, I don't want to go there, right? And there are some beautiful parts in New Jersey. So you live in New Jersey, that's just an example. Um, but but I don't want to go there. There are places I don't want to go, uh, and I wouldn't want to get on that ship if that's where that ship was going. Now, um, uh, uh, Kent wrote some uh, some kind of preparatory questions, as he always does. He and I kind of discuss them. How do you... Um, do you, and, and, and this will be interesting, I think this is really, for me, it's going to be interesting. Uh, do you look at your competition and what they're doing? Does that have any, does that have any play in your business plan for next year? Uh, uh, Patrick, uh, does that have anything to do with your business plan? Um, not really. I, I find my business and I look at my business at such a different angle than any of the other like competition around my town that I, I just don't think any of their numbers would be anything I could even compare anything to. I, and I don't, I wouldn't believe believe numbers from my local competition. Um, I, I just, there are local indie shops in my town that I'm friends with. I know the owners There's a very tight town here and I'll, I'll watch their outreach stuff that they do. That's the kind of stuff I'd like to compete with them on. Um, let's see who can do more community outreach than the other one or something. Um, but business-wise, we're all very different. We do very different things. I don't trust my local numbers. Now, I, I would like to, I would love to see Ryan's financials because I, he's in a different town and he's doing similar stuff to me in a similar sized area or you know, town. You know, I, I'd love to try to, you know, try to put his numbers as my goal in a couple of years for sure. But locally, no, we're, we're our own shop and we do our own thing. And I, I, I truly believe we're the best pretty much no matter what in our town. Um, so I, I pretty much disregard whatever my competition is doing, you know? I'm, I'm really smiling because I know that's the answer that I would get from all three of you guys. Um, um, are, you, are you on that same, are you on the same plane? Basically, I'm not looking at the guy next door. I'm this is my plan for my business and what I want and what my team wants. Yeah. From like a, from a customer interaction standpoint, you know, I kind of like to know what some of the other people around are giving as far as that customer experience, just so that I can make sure I stay far ahead of that. Um, but as far as numbers they're doing, I don't, I don't really, I don't really yeah. care. I, I mean, yeah, I don't really care. Um, but the uh, same thing, it's, it's kind of nice to know what some of the top shops are doing so you can kind of compare, you know, if all of a sudden somebody has a $200 higher average repair order than you, it'd be nice to be able to pick their brain and say, gosh, what are you doing different than me? Or, you know, if somebody's, uh, you know, somebody's bringing in, you know, 30, 40% new business every month uh, and you're stuck in the 20s, hey, what are you doing? So those things are nice, but as far as business planning, I don't, I don't really care too much for what people around me here are doing. Not to be too cocky, but we're, we're beating them by a pretty significant amount already. So, and I think if another shop asked me like some serious numbers about my business, if they were in my local neighborhood, I would either not tell them or tell them like some kind of wildly exaggerated numbers anyway. I mean, it's just natural. It's not that I don't trust other shops' numbers, but I wouldn't really feel comfortable sharing. That's why these smart groups and these... Uh, nationwide traveling groups that we do are so important. There's no competition. 
you don't feel like you're giving your secrets to your your neighboring shop. I, I, I agree. I think I think the more we work together as an industry, too, the better that is for us. Um, you guys obviously know my frustrations uh, with um, some of the stuff going on today. Um, uh, uh, let me ask. Let, let, let me stay away from my frustrations because we'll get way off target. Um, Ryan and. Uh, uh, what about you? Do you look at the other shops in your neighborhood and, and is that have anything to do with your business plan or is the business plan about you and your business? Generally speaking, it's about us and our business. Uh, of course, I look at the other shops. I think part of that's human nature. I, I think the, you know, the typical thing that, you know, someone might consider is to look at what the other people are doing in terms of sales or, you know, pricing and stuff like that. I think that that's the issue that comes to the forefront where you can have a race to the bottom where you're trying to compete on price. But, um, you know, obviously we're not going to do that. I do like the idea of looking at shops on a national level, maybe people who aren't your direct competition. There are some really great shops out there and there are some, what I call best practices out there. And, you know, so I am looking, I guess I'm not looking at my competition. I'm looking at a, at a much larger scope and, if there's something great out there, yeah, I want it in my shop, but I'm definitely not going to let my my competition decide how I'm going to run my own business. That's that's for me to decide. I'm sitting here writing myself a note. I think I think we need to start a best practices group. Um, uh, I think that'd be great. Uh, all right, um, let's uh, let's talk numbers. Um, what? are the goals, uh, what are you setting goals for? What are the numbers, Get, uh, four or five of your top numbers and, and why? Uh, let's start with Patrick. Patrick, give me, uh, give me your top things that you're setting your targets for and then why do you think you can set those targets or why are you setting those targets? So there's a couple numbers that I think are like always just you know, key KPIs that we're always going to be setting goals on. For the front, it's going to be gross in margins. For the back, it's going to be hours and warranty, you know, our, our warranty level. I think those are like the four um, numbers that we're always, 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 always going to be tracking. We're never going um, to go anywhere else. On. What's up? So let me clarify. Is that hours for the week, hours for the day, hours for the individual, hours for the car? Day and week. So how many hours did that that our team turn today, this week, uh, and this month? Um, those are the numbers we're tracking. So uh, productivity, back. hours produced um, daily, weekly, monthly is is a number that you just – that's a number you set a target for, that's a number that yep. you're setting goals for, and that's a number that you monitor. Which, and we will always is. be setting goals and targets for. But then uh, there's other fringe things that are going to pop up. you got to focus on your weaknesses. So – in my shop, I struggle with effective labor rate and sometimes parts margin, although the parts margin has increased since we started selling more maintenance. Um, but effective labor rate is something that we struggle with in our shop in a, in a bad way. So I'm going to be focusing on that. And I don't know how, but I'm at some point going to figure out some kind of a goal, some kind of a reward that we can get if we can fix that problem. Okay. Let, let me ask you. Let, let me ask you one more question, or kind of uh, uh, clarify just a little bit. Mm -hmm. You also said gross profit margin. Mm -hmm. Why not dollars? Because there's this whole thing in the industry right now. Again, one of my pet peeves. It's it's not the margin. It's the dollars. Why yeah. is gross profit margin your more important number for you? Well, um, margin is everything. Like the the dollars, in my opinion, you can get the right. You can get enough dollars um, to pay your bills and do the things you want to do. But margin, I feel like um, 
extrapolates out. So if you have the correct margins and you're doing more and more and more, I think there's no, no limit to how well you can really do. Um, I'm, I'm not going to accept the, I'm not going to accept just the dollars. I want the margins uh, tied with it as well. I want the percentage. You know, I don't want to reduce my goal there um, because I'm satisfied with the amount of dollars I'm getting. Mathematically speaking, um, without gross margin, there aren't gross dollars. Exactly. I would have to do twice the business or three times the business to get the same dollars. My saying so, is um, uh, dollars pays the bills, margins grows the business. And right now I want to grow the business. I've, I need to save money to buy this building that I'm trying to buy. That's my saying. Okay. All right. Perfect. Um, uh, Ryan, what are the numbers that you're targeting? What are you setting your goals for now for next year? What are those key, key, key numbers for you? Sure. And a lot of people are going to have different thoughts here. Uh, I think, honestly, like a central KPI, you know, it's kind of basic, but yeah, the billable hour. I mean, that to me, that's kind of like one of the central metrics of the shop. If you wanted to pick one that was like in the middle, like a core, I mean, uh, if the shop has got a $100 an hour labor rate and you're about 50-50 on parts, then you know a value of one hour of your shop's time is $200. And you can build a financial model around that and say, well, yep. Here's all of our expenses and, and all that, and here's roughly what we would need to make. And then you can talk about, you know, margins and whatnot. But, you know, the, for me, the hours, I, we do need to have our technicians, uh, you know, being productive and effective and, and billing those hours. Uh, you know, and probably the second one's going to be average repair order because there is that efficiency. I mean, I think everyone knows that, you know, a shop that has one hour per ticket and a shop that has three hours per ticket, one of them's going to end up with a lot more hours. So we kind of watch that, you know, as a, as a trend. Uh, gross profit for sure, uh, absolutely. I mean, how well did we do on our parts? I mean, if we're, you know, if we're doing all diag all week long, that's going to be a tough week for us. So uh, definitely the, the relationship of parts to labor, balancing out those jobs, making the margins that we need to make on the parts um, so that our value of our hour stays, you know, as high as possible. Um, for us, we track warranty. You know, we've always been a little higher than I would like to see on warranty. I think we've got, you know, European cars. We've got, you know, people say they're harder on diagnostic. And I don't know. Sometimes I just think that the modern cars are getting tough. So I'm really trying to keep an eye on our warranty and, and setting expectations for the customer. Uh, I think those are probably the big biggest ones that I'm tracking. After that, we've got some, we're tracking our future appointments as a way to kind of predict our marketing, which I think is kind of cool. Um, and then some other things after that, but I'd say those are the main ones. So can I ask you a question, Ryan? Um, you're talking about focusing on the hours. You're talking just your technicians, or are you talking your front office as well? Do, do they, are they clued into how many hours they sold that day or that week as well? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yes, technician hours. Yeah. I, think, I think the advisors in the shop have always understood you focus on the technicians getting their hours. If they get their hours, nothing yeah. else falls in place. If you use the systems and processes that are in place, and I think mm -hmm. a lot of people understand the magic of a lot of shops is the workflow. How do we get these cars in and out? How do we keep everybody busy? How do we balance promise time? We could do a whole episode on that. There's like a secret yeah. sauce for like getting that formula right so that we like diagnose a car while we're doing a, you know, or, or selling a job while we're doing a, a diag on the next car and just all that like really fine-tuned efficiency the difference between 
you know, a technician that might bill out 40 hours a week or maybe one that bills out 50 hours a week. And, you know, once the week's over, it's over. So um, I yeah. think you, know, you can sell the margin and you can do all that. But that's why for me that the billable hour is kind of the core. You know, I, we start with those and, um, you know, yeah. we like to be at a minimum of 200 hours a week. That's where we're at right now. And, um, but, yeah, we're looking to beat that goal for next year for sure. That kind of hit me like a lightning bolt just then because I've always been looking for this way to kind of connect the goals between the front and the back of the shop. You know, there are some times when, when we're selling these coils and plugs a lot and it's like 1200 bucks, which is great, but it's like an hour and a half. And it's just, it's great for the guys up front, not great for the guys at back. How can we balance that out? I really like what you guys are doing there with that. That's cool. When I, when I teach service advisors, um, I tell them that their primary job is to keep the technicians busy enough to get eight hours a day minimum. Minimum. Um, I, I think that that's like if, if we were focused on that every day, and that that's a lot of things. I mean, not only do I have to uh, uh, sell the work, um, which is all, I'm a sales guy, so I'm always focused on how much we sell. Yeah. Um, but we also have to get the parts here. Uh, it has to be dispatched uh, in a timely fashion. Uh, we have to get the customer to say yes to the work in a time in, in a timely fashion, estimate it quickly. You know, now you're talking about all these different systems and promise uh, uh, um, and processes that create that. So um, I like to think, as you guys were talking, I was thinking about racing. I remember my father racing, and the goal was to win the race, right? It was always to win the race. But uh, you know, we would go out there. I don't know, four or five even sometimes days earlier and get on the track and, and put the race car on the track and then bring it back and make adjustments. You made adjustments to the body, the way the, the body sat, the tire pressures. Uh, you made adjustments to the, the, the lean and the rich uh, of the vehicle. Sometimes you pulled the whole engine out, put another engine in because the engine that you, you, you were planning to race with didn't have, wasn't the right engine for the track that you were going to be on. You know, there's all these different things and the goal is to win the race, but there's so many other little uh, pieces of that that you have to do in order to actually win the race. Uh, and, and for me, one thing you guys never said yet, and, and of course I haven't asked Tom the question, but it's like gross sales. I mean, how much are we going to sell? I'm a sales guy. If I hold margin, uh, uh, if my guys do great inspections, if my processes work, then we're going to have a, a, you know, we're going to have an $800 ticket. And uh, we're going to sell enough work today, and, and we're going to make enough profit on that work that I'll be able to pay the bills and get what I want. Um, Tom, what are, the, what are the four or five numbers that you're setting goals for, that you're planning for next year? Well, always I got to impress my guy Cecil. So sales, right? <laughs> sales, no. Sales is one of them. Uh, but uh, for us, in order, we worry about profit margins. So gross profit is everything to us if we're not holding that number uh well we're just holding that number hang on because I, I i gotta I, right now there are people in our industry saying don't worry about that if you have to bring the price down to hold on to that job bring the price down to hold on to that job which is freaking me out because i just think it's so bad for the shop and for the industry it's a slippery slope i guarantee you we can prove that by those shops that are going to go off that model, their sales are not going to grow to to the level to compensate that lower margin. I guarantee it. Um, they will not be able to outsell the loss of margin. It's just it's just too much work. Um, 
Uh, it hundred percent believe it. I've proven you, it. you can't it, outsell you, yeah. losing a few points on margin. It just doesn't work because then it just they start. It just changes your mentality. It gives your advisor the okay to 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 operate in what I call the gray area. It's just we hold margins. Uh, it's not what happens if we don't. It's just we we hold margins so the margins another one of those numbers that you're looking at now what i i say parts margin 58% i say overall gross margin 60 62% um is that the numbers that you're targeting with your staff no i i run a little bit lower i'm an odd i'm a little bit of an odd shop we sell a lot more uh, larger repairs than than most um okay. And I've got a team in place that loves them, and it, and it works out great for us. Uh, I don't run the exact model that I would necessarily even preach, you know. Um, but uh, but we, we hold a 58% overall gross profit margin. I've got lower parts, or sorry, uh, overall gross profit margin total. But my parts margin's a little low. My labor margin's a little bit high because I'm a very productive shop, and it balances it out at the, at the end of the month and end of the year so. You know, I'm not going to choke on 58%. Um, I'm going to have a smile on my face all day long. Um, you know, the, the other thing I would say to anyone that's planning, plan high. Uh, 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 you know, if you think uh, you want an 8% growth in your company, plan for 10. Uh, uh, because, you know, we, we struggle. We don't quite get there. We come back a little. Uh, uh, so if I plan for 10, but I get 8 I still got a pretty big smile on my face, at, at, you know, at the end of the year. Uh, all right, um, uh, we got uh, about six more minutes here, so that gives each of you about uh, a couple minutes. Um, how, how do you get your? How do you plan? Do you plan by yourself and put things together, and then get your staff involved? Do you get your staff involved uh, in the discussion right from the beginning? Uh, are you using? This year's numbers to help you plan next year. Uh, um, how do you, how do you do that? We'll we'll start with uh, Patrick. I'd say I involve them from the beginning, and it's like um, uh, just like Ryan was saying, a continuous process. These the the weekly meetings which we've just started. It you know the the stuff's coming out of there organically, and it's very cool. And then I take that to my computer and throw it into spreadsheets and you know, track it. Um, I have a very, uh, we'll get into the marketing thing real quick. I've got this really cool marketing thing. I just have a spreadsheet, very basic with some formulas. Um, because just like you, you said, you start the plan and almost inevitably the whole thing goes completely off the rails and you have to adjust. Um, as long as you make the adjustments, you're good. If you stick with your plan, no matter what, um, you know, you could get to the end of the year and have a big problem. We had a problem with, uh, with, um, AdWords this year just totally tanked and we went on for a few months and we kept monitoring it and I I, I cook, took, an, took an eye on it every every month and we went three months and it just wasn't working so we've we've pulled out of that uh, channel good amount you've got to keep adjusting your plan you never turn the carburetor adjustment screw to the right spot in the first turn you always turn it too far and then back a little bit um, so I think as long as we're doing that we're good to go for the younger guys in the in the on online, they're going to hear this. The carburetor screw, the carburetor. <laughs> that's how we got gas and air into the vehicle into the engine a long time ago. So just to, just to, so everybody understands what you're talking. Ah. about. I always love to say that when someone says carburetor. Um, Ryan, 
Uh, what about you? Do you involve the staff from the beginning? I think it's an ongoing thing, like Patrick says, because I've, I've had planning for years and years. But do you involve the staff from the beginning? Do you create your own plan? It's about Ryan first and then about them, or how does it work? Yeah, I mean, kind of a non-answer is that it is, it's mostly ongoing for us. And I mean, there's periods of time where we kind of coast for a little while, but uh, we seem to have regular changes. You know, we'll have staff changes or technology or different cars. And so really it's just kind of an ongoing process. And yeah, the staff are, are always involved. We do have regular meetings. Uh, I would never, you know, put myself first. It's gotta be an everybody wins kind of situation. I do think as the owner of the company, you know, it's kind of on me to maybe sit down and sketch out some of the ideas, uh, some of the basic ideas. You know, I have a lot of you know, knowledge in that arena. So yeah, I might, you know, sketch out an idea, but still present it to them and say, hey, here's what I'm, here's what I think and here's why I think it. What do you guys think? Show me what I am missing here because I'm not working on the cars every day or sitting at the desk every day. Okay. Tom, what about you? Do you are you... I, I mean, I know the answer, but let's give everybody else the answer. What are you doing? Are you involving the staff from the beginning? Are you, you know, is this as much about them as it is about you? Yeah. So I actually, I'll actually do a, a, a decent plan on my own, believe it or not, without, before I start meeting with the staff. Um, I never finalize it without them, but I always want to have an idea of what I want um, before going into these planning meetings. And then we go into the, the planning meetings individual and as a team to come up with the the real plan but uh, i think it's important as the owner and the leader to have an idea of what to be honest with yourself and know exactly what you want so that if it's starting to veer way off you know if their plans are starting to veer way off you can uh, creatively veer them back down the right path and have it be there still be their idea that's to me that's part of leadership and management uh but uh, I, I, what my staff wants weighs very heavily. You know, I worry more about them getting the paycheck that uh, they want than, than me when it really comes down to it. So I do let them determine a lot of things. But I, I obviously have a pretty good plan of, of, of what it's going to do. And we just, as a, as a team, we kind of guide them towards that correct. I think, correct the, I think the cool thing is, is that if, if they get what they want, you get what you want. And that's the that's it. Now I'm going to just ask one more question, and we'll let each of you answer it. Um, we'll start with Ryan. We'll go to Patrick. We'll go to Tom. And here's the question: Would you start next year without having a plan, Ryan? No. Patrick. No, that's crazy. <laughs> Tom. No. Call us if you're going to do that, please. Okay. Yeah, really. Um, uh, we'll, we'll we'll help you. Um, uh, you have three of the best shop owners I know really doing a great job, really being successful. They have great staff that loves them. And, and all three of them are saying, I wouldn't do this without planning. Again, I'm not getting on a cruise ship. I don't know where I'm going. Um, uh, your business will do better, even if it's just a base, basic plan, even if it's just, I'm going to put four things down. If you, I didn't have four things. Now, maybe later you go to a class, you learn, and now it's going to be six things or eight things or whatever. It's an ongoing process. And I think sometimes people don't do that because they don't want to fail. Get used to failing. Everyone in this room, including me, has failed uh, uh, maybe thousands of times. Um, it's, it's all part of the game. All right. Uh, last but not least, first of all, uh, thank you guys all for being here. Really appreciate it. I love these things. They're so much fun for me. 
uh, uh, second for our audience. Uh, you can check out other episodes by going to the Institute Leading Edge at podbean.com or find us on iTunes or Spotify by searching The Leading Edge. Look for this, and that's what you'll see. Uh, if you'd like to submit a topic, um, uh, uh, please feel free to do that at the Institute at i4abe.com. That's I-F-O-R-A-B-E.com. We have uh, our Institute group, uh, uh, which is the, uh, uh, the Institute group online. And we also have the, um, uh, the, more, the more private group, which is for uh, uh, more for shop owners. Uh, so join us. Now, our next episode is going to be on car count. I think this should be a well-attended episode. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, how can you improve it? What can you do to bring uh, better people in? Should you have more car count in your business? That certainly is a question. Uh, and we'll have a special guest from ASCCA, uh, Rocky Kamanian. Uh, if, I, if I mispronounce that, Rocky, I, point, I apologize. Uh, he'll be joining us on our next episode as well as uh, uh, some of our uh, great staff at other shop owners. Again, thank you for being here. And guys, thank you so much for everything you do uh, for the Institute and for the others in your groups and, and, and in the industry. We appreciate you. Have a great day. Thank you. Join us next time with a special guest from the ASCCA as we talk about increasing the number of quality customers driving to your shop. Subscribe at institutesleadingedge.pondbeat.com so you don't miss out. Or find us on iTunes and Spotify at The Leading Edge. Join the Institute group on Facebook and get advice from other top shop owners as well as our experienced consultants. Brought to you by the Institute for Automotive Business Excellence. Thanks for listening.